Welcome back to another episode of Res Ball. Today we're going to look at two players in particular, Cam Whitmore out of Villanova and Gigi Jackson out of South Carolina, and particularly looking at their assist percentage, which a lot of draft heads have been looking at and pointing to as gigantic negatives in there, which I say, not so fast, my friends. Let's get started. So before we get started today, just wanted to let everybody know there is ResBall Substack. Now, resball.substack.com just dropped the big board, goes from one all the way to 100. We'll try and post there regularly, maybe twice a month, something like that. We'll try to get on a regular writing schedule. So go to resball.substack.com to see more written work to supplement the podcast as well. And make sure that you subscribe, you keep us updated. It's absolutely free. Does not cost you anything, as my friend Piston Mike would always say, not a nickel nor a dime. So please go to resball.substack.com, subscribe, and keep up to date with everything we got going on there as well. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to Caleb Mueller of OnTheClockBB.com. I was recently on the War Room podcast for them over at OnTheClockBB.com. We talked about a bunch of guys, including Derek Whitehead, Jalen Huchifino, Khalif Battle, Chase Adige, Brandon Johnson, Coleman Hawkins, and Caden Shedrick, as well as my Lobos and New Mexico State Aggies, since especially the Lobos are doing fantastic fantastic this season so go check that out look for the war room episode two with myself steve from rest Paul, caleb mueller go follow him on twitter go follow on the clock at on the clock on on the underscore clock bb at twitter and on the clock bb.com you can find caleb mueller at caleb mueller that's C-A-L-E-B-M-U-E-L-L-E-R-2-3 on Twitter. Definitely go check those out. And shout out to Caleb again. Thanks for having me on. But today we are talking about South Carolina forward Gigi Jackson as well as Villanova forward Cam Whitmore. First, I'm going to give a little overview of both guys and then dive into what the consternation concerns whatever you want to call with them is and that is their assist percentage so starting with Gigi Jackson Gigi Jackson so far has played 17 games at South Carolina this year he's listed at six foot nine 215 pounds excuse me so far this season in those 17 games Gigi has scored 15.1 points per game pulled in 6.6 rebounds has 0.6 assists 0.8 steals 0.8 blocks 2.5 turnovers just 1.8 fouls per game as well shooting splits are 44.4% from two 31.4% from three and then 63% from that free throw line. Cam Whitmore is listed at six foot seven, two hundred and thirty-two pounds. 
He has played in 12 games so far, started six of them, had a shoulder injury, I believe. Took a while to get back into the starting lineup and now is firmly there. In those 12 games, Cam Whitmore is scoring 13.1 points per game, pulling in five rebounds, 0.8 assists, 1.5 steals, 0.2 blocks, 1.9 turnovers, and just 1.3 fouls per game. Shooting splits are 56% from two, 36% from three, and 73.1% from that free throw line. Now, as you noticed in the stats breakdown, both players are averaging under one assist per game. And this is the biggest knock for both of them, I believe, especially for Gigi Jackson, who I start with more. People talk about Gigi not having feel, him being so young, and the South Carolina team not doing him any favors by just letting him run offense, create an isolation and all that. But a lot of the talk, especially with Gigi, is about feel, that he doesn't have great feel for the game he's still too young he's not passing when he's driving in he's not seeing open guys and that definitely does show up in this assist percentage that is 4.8 percent that's very bad it's very rare to see any prospect under five percent um assist percentage let alone under 10 percent so very very rare he also has the dreaded under 50 percent true shooting right now at 47.3 percent so those are two things that people definitely point to saying well number one look at the passing he barely ever passes and then look over into that true shooting and saying he's just chucking up shots despite being south carolina's leading scorer right now at that 15.1 points per game the next closest guy on south carolina is michi john at 13.0 points per game so this is going to be the thing that people criticize gg for saying look not a great passer maybe a chucker probably south carolina is in the most talented team they're not really running structured offense but it's going to come down to i don't know if this guy will ever be able to pass or this is just really rare low assist percentage How can I feel confident in taking this guy in the top 10 in the lottery in that range? Is this somebody that I have to look further down because it's going to take a longer time to develop since the percentages in both the true shooting and the assist are going to take a long time to iron out. Cam Whitmore, on the other hand, is a little bit better at 7.7 assist percentages. I'm not great. Also, again, anything under 10% is just like, man, this person almost never passes. True shooting percentage of 57.2%. So he is going to get more love there to say, okay, at least he's not a chucker. This is above average efficiency. But why in the world is he not passing? He can definitely score. It looks like he can rebound. But what in the world is going on that Cam Whitmore just doesn't seem to be finding his teammates for shots? And this is where I want to begin the conversation, not just for Cam. It's not just going to be in defense of Cam Whitmore. And I guess it's really not being defensive for either. It's just trying to think about just focusing on this assist percentage. This is not an excuse for saying that, you know, these guys are better passers than you look than they look for on film. But it's also saying this is something we shouldn't just isolate and use as like the main form of criticism because I think both start with team context, number one. Gigi Jackson's playing on a South Carolina team where there is exactly 
one player shooting 35% or better from three, and that's Chico Carter taking 4.43s per game, shooting 48.6%, so fantastic shooter. The next closest guy is Michi Johnson, their second leading scorer, shooting 34.2% from three on 7.4 attempts per game, so it's a high volume, so at least it's around average per um, efficiency. Everybody else, everybody else, everybody else that isn't Gigi Jackson is shooting under 29% from three. Hayden Brown, 22.4% from three on 3.6 attempts per game. Jacoby Wright, 26.3% on 2.23 attempts per game. Uh, Daniel Haskins, Sanford, only half 0.5 attempts per game, but 28.6%. And then Josh or Zachary Davis, excuse me, 16.7% on 1.23 point attempts per game. Fred Cooper, who they played a little bit, 1.3 attempts per game, 20%. And if you want to look at just the raw numbers, Michi Johnson's take... Uh, has taken 111 three-point attempts total so far. Gigi's taken 86. Everybody else after that is less than Gigi. Chico Carter at 70. So while that 48.6% is great, he's taken less threes than the top two guys on the South Carolina team. And then everybody else, 58 for Hayden Brown, 38 for Jacoby Wright. And then Everybody after that is under 20 attempts per game. So he's not exactly a Gigi Jackson pronouns, pal. Gigi Jackson is not operating in an offense that has great spacing. And he has to be one of the primary creators from three to try and make up for that. And it's just getting off a lot of difficult shots. He's also taken 162 point attempts. And for me, looking at a shot chart, again, courtesy of CBB Analytics, go check out their stuff at cbcbbanalytics.com. Gigi's shooting 66.7% at the rim, 38 out of 57 attempts, and that's his most frequent shot. To me, this is a positive indicator that's above average. It's probably the shot that everybody's been trying to eliminate from Gigi. You want him shooting mid-rangers. You want him shooting threes. You don't want him getting to the rim. And yet he's still being able to get to the rim and finish at an above average rate. So those are some positive things in there as well as that team context of, well, he doesn't have any space to operate within this. And if you don't have shooters like that as well, super hard to get assists when even if you make the right read, they're not knocking you down. Cam Whitmore's low assist percentage might be a little bit more baffling to me, if I'm being quite honest, because he plays on a much better team. This is a down year for Villanova, but just between Caleb Daniels and Eric Dixon, these are two guys that can shoot the three. Caleb Daniels is taking 7.1 attempts per game, shooting 34.1%. Again, you'd like the percentage to be better, but anything over like seven attempts, in my opinion, is higher volume. And if you can maintain average efficiency, 34 to 36, then that's good volume, good efficiency. Uh, Eric Dixon is shooting 36.9% from three on 3.4 attempts per game. And both Daniels and Dixon are averaging over 16 points per game. So they've been holding down the fort all year, have played in all 19 games. And Daniels has some passing ability at 3.3 assists per game, which leads the team. So he has at least two guys. And then he's played with Chris Archdianaco, who's shooting 36.6% on 2.2 attempts per game. They've started to come around Archdianaco 
started the year slow. So looking a little bit better. And even Brandon Slater, like 32.4% from three is not fantastic. But as we saw with Gigi Jackson, that's like what the third best shooter on that South Carolina team. And here at Villanova, that's like the fifth best shooter because Brendan Housen, who's played in 18 games, 9.3 minutes coming off the bench, 41.5%. So Cam at least has more guys around him to operate. And both Cam and Gigi at least share the skill set of attacker on offense where really they have explosiveness, the ability to get up and finish above the rim. That's really what you would want them to do so they can draw extra contact in the shooting and all that should be supplementary to it. So Cam, in theory, has more room to operate and has more guys he should be kicking it out to here. But what in the world is going on? And he just is getting so few assists. I think what hasn't been talked about enough with Cam more in this Villanova team is they really don't generate assists. The leading guy in terms of assists is Caleb Daniels, who has dished out 62 assists to 35 turnovers, but this translates to 21.3% assist percentage. That's okay, but that's that shouldn't be like lead guard, number one facilitator. And Chris Archdienaco is their point guard. His assist percentage is just 13.7%. It's actually lower than his turnover percent at 14.9. Everybody else, everybody else, everybody else on this Villanova team has below an 11% assist percentage. So this is a team also that is not really setting each other up well. If you look at Chris Archdianaco's just total assist numbers so far, it's 43 assists. And both he and Daniels have played in all 19 games, so it's not like they've missed time that this would account for that. And again, everybody, everybody, everybody else on this Villanova team has less than 30 assists right now in 19 games. And to me in film study, when I've watched Villanova play, they're like a swing team. Like they'll, somebody will probe or like Dixon will start to back people down and then he'll pass it out and that guy will pass it out again. And they'll either have like extra passes. So they're trying to find somebody else to drive in or they're trying to find Dixon to like back somebody down. So they're not generating assists the way that other teams are. So that I think is part of why when you see Cam Whitmore's assist numbers, you're like, oh, why is it so low? It's like, oh, he probed the defense and then he passes to somebody who passed it again and passed it again. Or like, oh, he got the ball. Um, after like two passes and then uh, tacked off the dribble, pulled up for three or drove in and got a dunk or drove in and tried to shoot at the rim. That's just something that I've noticed here. And again, to go back to the shooting chart uh, via CBB analytics, Kim Whitmore shooting 69.6% at the rim. Very good percentage, more than GG's. Taking 32 or drained 32 of 46 at the rim. Again, only played 12 games, so hopefully those will go up. And this is really what you want Cam Whitmore to be doing is getting to the rim and finishing like that and being able to draw extra contact and get to the line. Still working his way back from injury. It seems that he has turned a corner now, but again, those are positive indicators. And also over to the left side on the left wing, Cam Whitmore's 10 of 24, which is 41.7%. And then from that left corner, he's only taken five corner threes, but four of five. So it seems like he has an area there. And then 33%, only three of nine from the right wing, but positive indicators again that, hey, this is somebody that has offensive skill and then has clear areas on the court where he has strengths. 
But as the title suggests, why we shouldn't just be focusing on assist percentages. This, for me, goes back to last season where Tori Eason was somebody that was sold to me pretty early on in the process by Scott of DBB. Shout out Scott, who he and I are always talking drafts prospects and he kept saying oh Tori Easton you got to see this guy fantastic defender he's like a wrecking ball man he's athletic look at him get after there and when I first saw him he was somebody that I was like man this guy's got tunnel vision I definitely see the defense but this dude never passes and for most of the year Tori Easton last season did have an assist percentage under 10 percent and it really started me thinking like, okay, I'm starting to see the defense more. Tari Eason's shooting percentages started to go up from three. That was another thing that he really struggled with early on, but it started to climb and climb and climb, but the assist percentage was still bad. This is somebody that still didn't look to pass all that often. And it started me thinking, okay, is there... Uh, guys in the past who've been successful in the NBA that had under 10% assist percentage, but also were high usage guys. So I started looking into it last season and what I found was actually pretty surprising. So I'm going to list off the guys that I found who ended up being successful NBA players that had this low assist percentage. And I'm saying under 12% assist percentage, but there are a couple guys that are under 10% who I really highlight. And one guy that was actually under 5% who actually became a successful NBA player. The first two I'm going to name are still in development and I can't say anything definitively about them, but early returns have been better than a lot of people thought. And the first one is Tari Eason, who last season at LSU had an assist percentage by the end of the year of 10.1%. So you just barely got over that 10% mark, but at an, a usage rate of 31.8%. It has already shown out the defense, uh, showing complementary offensive skills in Houston to say, yeah, like this was somebody who they just needed to rely upon at LSU, but looks fantastic so far. The next guy on the list was at LSU the year before that in the 2021 NBA draft and that's cam thomas who had an assist percentage of 8.3 percent and a usage rate of 31.6 percent so here's another guy that just never looked to pass the ball had those questions as well and seems to be finding a role slowly but surely in the nba time will tell if that actually pans out but it's another guy that you know recently you see low assist percentage but that didn't necessarily mean he couldn't pass and that he couldn't fit into a veteran laden team in the Brooklyn Nets who are trying to push for a title right now. So the next couple guys on the list, I mean, it's just going to go in ascending order now of like, okay, these are guys that have played a long time and had these uh, assist numbers that were really bad, but you know what? It didn't matter. And I'm just going to list them. And then at the end, kind of give my thoughts on what I see in this pattern, because it definitely is a pattern and also caution to say like, this isn't inclusive. This isn't like definitive. I'm sure you're going to find other guys that have the lowest percentage that didn't pan out and I'll give one example but this is more of a pattern than I thought it would be starting off first on this list was a forward out of Kansas State in the 2007-2008 season and that's Michael Beasley Beasley had a 9.3% assist percentage to 35% usage I don't know that we're going to see anybody with that high usage in there but you might be thinking come on Beasley 
didn't pan out, whatever. I will concur that Michael Beasley had a better career than what people give him for. And his problem was not on the basketball court. It was more maturity. It was more mental stuff rather than actually being a good player. And he carved out a longer career in the NBA. And that lack of quote unquote lack of passing, just looking at that lowest percentage didn't affect him from being a solid NBA rotation piece at the very least. After that, in 2010 to 2014, he was a four-year player as Doug McDermott. And Doug McDermott, as a freshman, had 9.8 assist percentage, sophomore 8%. And then as a junior, it went up to 12.4%. So I might be fudging it here, but his as a senior, went to 11.5%. So over a four-year period, Doug McDermott averaged 10.4% assist percentage. And his career usage percentage was 32.3%. Another guy that, you know what, just didn't look to pass was looking to get up shots and even more carved out an NBA career as just a floor spacer, as somebody who's just going to shoot it and super reliable shooter, Doug McDermott. Climbing up the list, we're starting to see more NBA rotational starter type guys. And this guy played from 2012 to 2014 at NC State, and that is TJ Warren. As a freshman, T.J. Warren had 5.9% assist percentage. And then as a sophomore, the year before he came out in the NBA draft in 2014, he had 8.6% assist percentage in that season in particular, 35.5% usage rate. So right there with Michael Beasley, again, this is somebody that just looked to put up shots, didn't really take threes either at that point, uh, was terrible from both three and from the free throw line at 26.7% and 69% from the free throw line. So another guy that hearkening back to the Thompson twin episodes has a couple different one of these of like, look, he looks inefficient. Oh, look, he's hogging the ball. He doesn't really pass it. He has the dreaded one assist to two turnover ratio of 40 assists to 83 turnovers. But you know what? He turned that scoring into a starting role in Indiana, unfortunately got hurt, but now is turning it back around in Brooklyn to being a great rotation piece that, again, focuses on scoring and keeping the pressure on that bench unit. Next up the list are two guys that played at Kansas from 2008 to 2011, and that's the Morris Twins. The Morris Twins might be the best, quote unquote, passers on this list. Uh, Markeith, we'll start off with Markeith. He had an assist percentage of 11% as a freshman, 10.7% as a sophomore, and then back to 11% again as a junior. Again, carved out a role just as a utility big man, power forward center, be able to space the floor, play tough defense, which is carries over to his brother, Marcus, who did that at the forward position at small forward and power forward, still an integral part of the Clippers. Marcus from 2008 to 2011, freshman year, 11.2% assist percentage as a sophomore, 8.2% assist percentage, really bad. And then as a junior, 11.4% assist percentage over those three years, averaged out to 10.2% assist percentage. And again, somebody that ended up just being able to be this defensive-minded forward, able to space the floor out, able to be a complementary 
tough dude that supplements your superstars. And I remember when he was in Detroit, Stan Van Gunn, he talked about him being, you know, his most favorite player he's ever coached because of those things. And the assist percentage ended up not mattering that much because, you know what, they didn't really need him on those teams to be scoring anyway at Kansas. Finally, we reach the guy that does have the dreaded under 5% assist percentage, and that is a forward slash center that played at Wake Forest from 2015 to 2017, and that's John Collins. As a freshman, John Collins had a 3.5% assist percentage, and the next year it went up to 4.5% assist percentage as a sophomore. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to say it now, if there's any profile for those GG Jackson fans like myself that you want to look into, it's this one to be like, wow, look at this guy, like just never passed. He had 29.9% usage as a sophomore, really was just looking to post up dudes, had one, uno, un, three point attempt in two years, and then ended up uh, turning it around in the NBA to shoot threes is not shooting threes well this year, but managed to turn his athletic gifts and work ethic and grind it out into becoming a much better NBA player than a lot of people thought. Finally is the number one overall pick in the 2014 NBA draft, and that's Andrew Wiggins, who had a 9.2% assist percentage. And you'd think his usage would be higher, but it's 26.3. But still, I remember that being one of the knocks on Wiggins. It's just like, man, he just doesn't look to pass. And while he didn't pan out in Minnesota as the primary option, was an integral piece to the Warriors where, guess what? He didn't need to pass as much and confound his supplementary super role player defensive role that he uses athleticism, uses shot making in the playoffs to help win a title. And then up on this list is the 2010 NBA draft center that should have gone higher. And that is Boogie, Boogie Cousins at 9.2% assist percentage. I mean, that's probably affected him the most in his Sacramento years where it took him a while to figure it out. But that's also on the Kings, as we call them over at Detroit Bad Boys, Kings. You know, they just mess up the development of of so many guys. But Boogie still ended up being a fantastic scoring center. Man, was really coming on in New Orleans. I really wish he and AD had been able to have more time before he got injured there. But Boogie is another guy that the low passing numbers really didn't matter because he found a way to bully, to shoot threes, to just expand his game and then pass a little bit more out of that. Now, the last two guys on this list who have really low assist percentage, you might have heard of them. One guy won an NCAA title in 2003 at Syracuse, and that's Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony had an 11.9% assist percentage on 29.3% usage. And the other guy on this list came out of Texas in 2007, and that's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant had an 8.6% assist percentage. So KD is on this list of guys that were under 10% assist percentage from three. So what does this all mean? You know, when I was looking at these guys and trying to find the through line for Tari Eason last year, it didn't really click for me. 
And cause I didn't really see Tori as like that level for all of them. And I couldn't really find a guy to compare Tori to in here. Cause I got thought Tori was more of like a Sean Marion or a Brandon Clark with a little bit of better of a jumper, you know, somewhere in between there, you know, this defensive guy that can come in and be wrecking ball and really mess guys up both as guards, even maybe all the way to center and small ball lineups this year. But now with Cam and Gigi, it's helped out a lot more in looking at a lot of these guys, particularly like Mello and KD. And I'm not making the argument that that GG and and Cam are going to be, you know, Mello and KD. But for both Mello and KD, my thought on their low assist percentage is like, who were you going to pass the ball to? What's the best option on that title Syracuse team in 03? What was that best option at Texas in 07? And that's just letting Mello and KD score the ball, right? I think both Cam and Gigi are in that spot. Gigi probably more so than Cam, just because the South Carolina team is so devoid of talent. And also... Lamont Paris is trying to use Gigi as uh, an example of like, look, see, if you come here, I will let you run. I will let you run the offense and be the center and the focal point of that offense as well. He should, you know, if you get a high recruit like that, you can't bury them down the depth chart. I think John Collins was the one for me that really helped Gigi a lot more too. Is like, okay, if freshman John Collins came out, what does that look like? Would anybody take him? And also what does Gigi do that freshman John Collins and even sophomore John Collins didn't do? And for me, that's handle some and the ability to shoot like, Again, one three-point attempt in two years says that this guy probably never will shoot, but then he turned it around. Whereas with Gigi, I'm like, you know what? He's ahead there in that regard. He's not this back-to-the-basket player that Collins was. Similar athlete. I think they both have a lot of tools. Collins also had a lot of defensive questions. And it seems like, depending on who you ask, people aren't really like all that in on John Collins, but on defense, that is. But I... Uh, in my opinion, Gigi has more like raw tools and more skills coming into the NBA than John Collins did even as a sophomore, which is why uh, I bump him more further up the boards. And even for the quote unquote role players like the Morris twins, like, man, that's really good floor if this pattern continues where, yeah, they still know how to fill out the role. And Marcus Morris is one of those guys that every team needs because he has the strength of a power forward, but the movement ability of a three and enough shooting to supplement PGs and Kawhi's of the world. He can fit in in a bunch of different team contexts. And looking at their profile too, their guards weren't exactly fantastic there at those Kansas teams then, but they still managed to win 35 games, I believe in that last season and their job wasn't to pass their job was to try and run screens try and back guys down try and get to the free throw line which again is all that's in there and that again is something that goes back to Gigi and Cam is like yeah their job is to get buckets number one it isn't to pass and for Gigi it's like you can't pass to anybody if they're not going to be able to knock down a shot and for Cam he does have more of those supplementary roles that the twins had there where like, yeah, there's sometimes where he has to set screens. There are other times where they're going to ask him to back down and they're definitely going to ask him to get to the free throw line rather than, you know, running and pick and roll, setting a screen, trying to hit the roll man. I mean, that's just not the type of offense that they run either. 
my main point, my main takeaway from looking into these guys that all have the low assist percentage, and I think the through line in them all is these are guys that their teams just needed to score and that their scoring level is so good that why would you want the ball in somebody else's hands or why would you want them to kick it out when maybe their teammates aren't that great or when they're just such a great scorer or such a great athlete that you know what, they're going to make something happen. Kevin Durant's the best example of this, obviously, right? Like uh, you would trust Katie to just go out there and whatever you feel you need to do, go ahead because you're going to create something that is going to be great. Again, I'm not saying Gigi or Cam is going to be at that level, but they definitely both have the skills to be more closer to like the John Collins or the Boogie Cousins where it's like, yeah, I don't want you to pass because when you have the ball, I know you're going to figure out a way to score. And that's what I want you to do first and foremost. So a final thought on how to like reapply this into the evaluation. I mean, tape study is always the, the teller of all the eye in the sky. Don't lie. As people always say, yeah, it's important to look at the numbers, but I think it's also important to put this thought in the scouting like evaluation to be like oh yeah there were these other guys that had this and it was a pattern it wasn't just two one or two guys that were an outlier the, the little bit of the problem is you know true or excuse me usage hasn't really been tracked since like 2009 ish it was actually a fluke that i found the kd and the uh, michael beasley ones and all of this is from sports reference dot com the college basketball part of it. So if you wanted to go double check and look at it, they're all there as well. So I really wish I could go deeper back in time, especially during like the more isolation heavy type of basketball in the 2000s and before that. But I would venture to guess that some of like the best scores we've ever seen had low assist percentage because they're probably being asked to isolate a lot of times and offenses um, ran back in the day. A lot of times weren't like now where it's, you know, pick and roll heavy and kicking the ball around and swinging it. It's like, no, we have this one guy that can score. So just look into it. So if there is anybody that tracks usage percentage and assist percentage before 2007 ish, I would be very interested to know these numbers. And if there are guys beforehand that also fit into this mold and into this pattern. But again, it's not like every single one of these guys you're going to find is fantastic. Derek Williams out of Arizona. Oh, it pains me to, to have to talk about the bad Arizona guys. Me being here in Tucson and working for the university and loving my Wildcats. But 2011 draft, Derek Williams, he's one of those guys that people thought was just going to work out and be fantastic. Went to Minnesota. Another one that had under 10% uh, assist percentage for his career, but just never panned out. And I think this is one that would like have more film study into of like, okay, what's the difference with somebody like this to where they didn't work out when they clearly had these same super low assist percentage, but had the same profile where yeah, like you wanted Derek Williams to have the ball to score. He scored 15.7 points per game. Derek Williams as a freshman, Derek Williams as a sophomore, 19.5 points per game. It was even better. Uh, the shooting splits all look great. True shooting percentage of 62% as a freshman, 69% as a sophomore usage of 26.6 as a freshman, 28.9. These are things that you would look at and be like, oh, this is fantastic. And that free throw attempt rate was over 82% both years, 82.3%, 87.1%. Uh, again, 
assist percentage, 6.3% as a freshman, 8.7 as a sophomore. So here is an example. And if you wanted to look into like, okay, let me see an example of a guy that didn't work out when it, it should have and has a lot of these same qualities of the guys that I just listed off. That would be one to look into is, okay, what's different about Derek Williams in particular that the lowest percentage really ended up being a thing in the NBA. And ultimately, I have Cam Whitmore fourth on my board currently right now behind Asar Thompson. And then I have Gigi Jackson sixth right now on the boards. And both of them are in the running for me in terms of the race for the number three overall pick, as I like to call it, on the big board there for resball.substack.com. If you go look that out, I think Gigi's more on the lower end of like being able to be the third pick. A lot of things would have to break right and he would have to turn around a lot of stuff for people to feel more comfortable with him at the third overall pick. But definitely has the talent level, the athleticism, all the things we laid out there to be able to be in that race. Whereas Cam is more and more showing why, yeah, this is number three overall pick looks like, and I should be in that with the athleticism, with the shot making, in the free throw line, rebounding, sliding his feet, playing defense. I really like both guys and hope that they continue to score, be more efficient, maybe pass a little bit more, but also I would keep that in mind that, yeah, their teams need them to score, and the best option for Villanova is to give Cam the ball, let him attack. The best option for South Carolina is to let Gigi go out there and cook, maybe run a little bit more sets for him, but I don't want the ball in anybody else's hands on these two teams. But yeah, has so much for listening to us. We could not do this without you. Please go look into Gigi Jackson and Cam Whitmore again. Consider this when looking at their assist numbers. Dive into that film. Really see what they're doing and what the best option is and why they're attacking so much and the assist numbers are so low. Again, thank you so much for listening to us. Make sure you go to resball.substack.com. Subscribe. Keep an eye out there for the weekly, bi-weekly. We'll see how that schedule goes. Newsletter. We might have other contributors there. And continue to listen to the podcast here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you can get your podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, leave comments. Always want to interact. Thank you so much. I'll go on it.